Welcome to the Peace Northwest podcast, a mini podcast with resources, stories, and news you could use. Episode one covers changes in guardianship with guest David Lord. Oh, I got it right. Got it. Let's see here. All right. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm David Lord, and I, for many years, I was the public policy director at Disability Rights Washington. And Disability Rights Washington also goes by DRW sometimes. It's a, an advocacy group, a nonprofit that provides all kinds of advocacy for people with disabilities uh, and is, uh, that's where I worked for years. So I did a lot of policy work there. I, as the public policy director, I went to the legislature and spent time there. And, and that's really where my expertise lies, um, at least in the past, was in, um, in the development of, of rules and laws and, and so forth. Thank you. And so let's get to these changes that are going to be taking into effect about a guardianship. So um, the new year has brought new changes in, in different laws, and one of them would be guardianship. Um, so what are those changes and how will they impact families? Well, there are many, many changes. Uh, the, what, what happened was uh, a couple of years ago in 2019, the legislature adopted the Uniform Guardianship Act. And this was done because Washington law um, as is kind of, it was kind of a mishmash in some ways. It wasn't as organized as it might be. And the thought was, let's do something that's more developed in a, um, an intentional way um, as the Uniform Guardianship Act was done. And so uh, it was adopted um, and um, and then it was modified pretty substantially the next year, 2020. And the reason why that happened was because it was recognized that there were an awful lot of good things in Washington law already that weren't in that Uniform Act that we wanted to preserve. So there's kind of a combination. So there was kind of a little bit of an evolution. They also put off the adoption of it. So this Uniform Act is pretty new. It's actually been a, it's been adopted in Maine and now in Washington. Since we were the second state, there may be other states now too, I don't know. But so that was kind of a long-winded way of saying big change uh, in our law structurally and, and but also in language. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things, I think, in, in answering this question that are, I think, are really important and are often confusing. The first one is um, we've had guardianships in Washington state and we have had, we've kind of divided that up into guardianships uh, for the person and guardianships of the estate. And the guardianship of the estate is about money and it's about how, how my, uh, and about making decisions about money. Uh, that guardianship of the estate is now gonna be called the conservatorship. So when there's decisions to be made around money in general, that will be done by a person called the conservator. Now, if you're already a guardianship of, of the estate, if you already have that full guardianship where you have that, that will probably be referred to now as, well, it will be referred to as conservatorship and it's a change in language, but significant one, but don't be too confused. Um, there's a lot of commonalities. The next, the next thing I would say is, is you probably, re, you may remember that if you're involved in a guardianship, that there was a person who came around who was called the guardian ad litem. 
And that's not a guardian, but it's a, which was always confusing to people because there's this person called a guardian ad litem. And they're a person who's appointed by the court and their job is to figure out whether or not a guardianship is needed, whether or not the person that's been proposed for the guardianship is appropriate. And, um, and then other tasks around making sure that the person with a disability knows they have a right to it. If they want a lawyer, if they want to, if they want a trial by jury, they can have those things. So all of that was part of the duties of the guardianship of the guardian ad litem. There's going to be a thing called a court visitor now who will do those functions. So a change in the name. There's also some functional changes, but they're I'm not going to get into all that. But in general, when you used to hear about a GAL coming to make sure that the guardianship was really needed or whatever, that will now be a court visitor. So there'll be a different name there. So that's a, a name. A significant um, change in the way things run that you should be aware of also is there's in Washington for the last few years, there's been a requirement that there be a standby guardian that was identified, somebody who would take play, who would take the place of the guardian um, if there was if the guardian wasn't able to do their functions so that we have some there'd be some common responsibility there, some some overtime continuity of responsibility. Well, standby guardians are gone. That and whether that was a good idea or not, they're no longer, they're not in the Uniform Guardianship Act and they're no longer a requirement. You may want to set up a successor guardianship. That's that's up to you or up to the court, actually. Um, but uh, somebody who, and that that's another mechanism to do essentially the same thing. But that standby guardianship, it's not there anymore. So that's gone. So those are some significant changes, both in in the way that we talk about guardianship and, and other things. I'd also, I guess I'd add one more thing, which is I think that there's, um, one of the things the legislature wanted was guardianship monitoring. And there'd been a lot of talk about how, you know, there really isn't, there isn't guardianship. There isn't, the courts have not monitored guardianships as closely as many people, including myself, think they should uh, to make sure that things are done right. And also to make sure that guardians are properly supported when they are doing their jobs. And also is a guardianship really needed? Is there another option that could, could work? That kind of, thought and that kind of, you know, and maybe the guardian isn't recognizing abuse when it's happening. Maybe the guardian is not handling the money correctly. Whatever that might be is part of the inside of what guardianship monitoring ought to happen. And I've been recently been talking with the administrative office of the courts, which is the people that are in charge in, in Olympia of kind of setting up some rules around this stuff. Anyway, they, they are working on a guardian, on guardianship monitoring kind of statewide so that you would have really a system whereby that would happen. And I think the good news for people that are guardians or wanna be guardians is, is that it's recognized that part of that is training, that guardians should get information about how to be a guardian, how to be effective in their own court. I'm not saying that's gonna happen immediately, but that's part of the intent is that that needs to happen too. Um, there's some jurisdictions like Spokane where they've had some of that kind of thing. Let's have some more of that, I think is the thought. Um, so there you go. <laughs> That's some of it on for hours, but there's a kind of a taste of it. Do you think all of this is going to make the process of guardianship last longer? Take longer? Last, I'm sorry, to make it last longer? Is it going to take longer to process? Oh, I, you know, I don't really know. And, and that might be something to talk if you, if somebody's involved in that process, um, that might be a good thing to talk to an attorney about, you know, who might be involved in the developing of one. 
Now, I should tell you that that it's really my feeling as somebody who's done a lot of advocacy over the years that many, many times people get into guardianships and individuals lose some of their rights and they're given to somebody else about decision making when it really could be handled with an alternative to guardianship. So um, so while I'll talk about that, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about guardianship. Uh, I, it's really my feeling that very frequently you could you could avoid all that extra time and money that goes into developing a guardianship if you can figure out some other ways to creatively um, and effectively support the person with a disability without going through that. And that was that that's actually comes into my next question oh. was that, that I understand that there's alternatives to guardianship. Um, so so what are they and you know, and have they been impacted by the changes as well? Yes, they have very significantly impacted. There have always been things called alternatives to guardianship. And, and probably anybody who's been who's ever made inquiries about this has heard about some of this. Um, the most common one that people hear, hear about is a power of attorney. So if somebody is able to appoint somebody to be to make their decisions for them, that would be a power. That would be somebody who would be an agent, who would be your power, who would have your power of attorney. So you could your family member, whoever you could appoint them. That's something that still exists and is is not not really much affect. Uh, I shouldn't say there's always things that have impacts on things, but in general, that yeah, the power of attorney will still be there. It's still there as an alternative. It should be considered and thought about before a guardianship is ever created. Would a power of attorney do here? Would that take care of it. That will be something that the court visitor will take a look into and should make an inquiry about. And the GAL should, the guardian ad litem should have done that earlier too, but that's, that's the job is, are there less restrictive alternatives like, like that? Another one is like, sometimes people have, if it's, they've got a bunch of money and they want to protect it and they're trying to, they might have a trust arrangement. A special needs trust is a common one that you hear about to protect, uh, to protect the uh, benefits. Um, but there, and then there's um, representative payeeship, which is another place where the 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 person who's handling the money uh, really makes the decisions. So it's it's as that that amount of restrictiveness, but there isn't the full guardianship where you actually take away a bunch of rights and so forth. That's another alternative. But the one that I guess I, I'm really I'm really interested in, and I think will will is just really getting started is a thing called supported decision-making. And what that is, is, and this in our law is now um, recognized by law as an option that people can go through in order to, in order to avoid guardianship where a person wants some assistance and needs some assistance with decision-making, but they want to maintain their own rights. They don't want to lose it because any of those other ones I've mentioned that, you know, your rights go to somebody else to make the decision well, you keep your rights with supported decision-making, but you're willing to accept somebody else assisting you with that. And so you can identify people that supporters to assist you and this assist you with your decision-making. Um, and then you, and then um, you can sign an agreement. Um, it's witnessed um, or, or, um, uh, or notarized. And so that it's a serious, you know, uh, document and then I think, like I said, these are new, so it's going to be a while before, um, uh, before the uh, uh, the banks and the and the uh, medical establishment and so forth understand them. So I think there'll be a process of learning that. But the idea will be that will be a place where you could go in and you could make your own decisions, but you could 
have somebody else. And the, for example, the doc, if it's a medical decision, the doctor would know that there had been some conversations. That person would be able to assist the person with understanding so they can give informed consent. So a process. So it's, um, it reminds me a lot of um, uh, person-centered planning is what it looks like. Not that we see as much of that as I wish we would, um, but that is the kind of thing that it would, but it's, it's actually recognized. They're doing this. They've been doing this since 2017 in, believe it or not, Texas. Um, and there's a half a dozen other states that are also doing support decision making. So Washington is now now in that league too. And and um, there's there's actually on the on the um, if you want to find out more, there's a uh, there's a website, the National Supported Decision Making Resource Center, um, that you could go to to get videos and all kinds of stuff. Plus, in our state, we actually have a um, a, a form that the uh, legislature um, approved for this. So there's actually, it's very basic and you can make it a lot more detailed for yourself if you want, but there's a basic form and there's information um, on the Washington Law Help website. So if you go there and that's the Northwest Justice put that together, they've got information that describes that for you. Um, and then there's also, uh, like I said, a, a form that you could use that, that would work for that too. So. Again, all of this stuff that I've talked about, January 1st, 2022 is the implementation. Um, and that's that's when it happens. Um, I just was in contact with the Administrative Office of the Courts and they sent me some information um, that's intended for uh, lay guardians or people that are, are just, that are making that conversion about how that happens. So I know I can provide, you, you, are, you can, um, listeners can, can get that information. Um, there's also, there's also, uh, there, some, some people who have had the guardians, who are guardians, lay guardians know that there is a, a state, a required training an online training Well, they're modifying that training so that it, it actually fits for the new law. And you can go through that. And I understand that will be available by January 1st, 2022, when the law goes into effect. Thank you. You're you're on it. I was about to ask <laughs> resources and you brought them up. And so we're going to have a, a place on the website under resources and it'll go under guardianship. And we will have the resources that links to the resources you mentioned, plus any other things that we can think of. And so if you're listening to this, you can go to peaceandw.org and you will be able to find um, those resources that we that David mentioned. And so before we go, uh, I do want to ask you a couple questions that we do get a lot from families. And uh, one of them is that we hear this question very often, uh, and I think you can offer some insight. If someone has guardianship in one state and they move to a different state, do they need to file for guardianship all over again? And there's a, this is interesting because... Um, um, first of all, I want to make sure it's really clear that whenever I talk about this stuff, don't take that as legal advice. You know, you, you've got your own specific situation and your own facts. And it's really important that if I give you kind of a general statement of the law, uh, well, hopefully that'll be accurate, but it may or may not be the piece of the law that most applies to your situation. So you want to make sure you got that. So I'm going to tell you a few things, but, but I want you to always realize that, that you're Fact situations, and, and I always encourage people, if they have a situation they can't resolve, they're not sure, go see a lawyer, talk to a lawyer about that, or 
do your own research, but but don't rely on just David Lord said A, B, and C, so therefore. Um, but having said that, there is a Uniform Adult Guardianship and Protective Proceedings Jurisdiction Act that was that was passed in 2009. And just to deal with that kind of that question of like what happens when somebody is in one jurisdiction or another? And what happens if somebody moves from one place to another? And how does that work? And courts are somewhat jealous of their what they call jurisdiction. So, uh, you know, if I'm if there's a court, the court wants whoever it is or whatever the whatever the the whatever's in question to be local, to be something that they have some control over. So that's what jurisdiction's about is like we need to have the facts, we need to have the person. We need to, so there's a general feeling that when you have a um um, a matter, it needs to be in your jurisdiction, in your area. And, and courts are county by county in Washington state. So that means, you know, you want to have them there. So um, in general, the, 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 the person should be, uh, you know, in the jurisdiction where that is. But, but I'm not saying that you have to do that in every case. I would, I would say that, that you need to, to look to your particular situation and to, um, to make sure, because there is what they there's a thing where where between states there's some respect that's had for things. So if you create something in one state, then it will be recognized in another state. So while I'm saying that in general the court wants to have it local, they will also have some respect for for things that are created other places. Um, on an ongoing basis, that that's something that I I really don't want to comment on specifically without the particular individuals involved. Now, as far as when it comes to between counties, because sometimes that happens, that comes up too. I think you've. Yeah, I was going to ask about about uh, counties. Yeah, that's, that's that's interesting too, because you know Washington is not a state where, uh, well, Washington each county has their own court with their own rules and their own processes. And actually, when you get your when you get training on guardianship, it will be really useful if you have some training about what happens in your county and how those rules work down there because it'll be a little different in each county even though there's a why you know there's state law governs everything that said um the county where the guardianship is created is the county where it will be unless for some reason it's transferred and which is not saying it can't be transferred it's just saying that that's where it starts so if the person is and typically that's where the person lives um, I'm not really, actually, I would have to look to see whether or not there's something the Uniform Act says about that. That's something that's a good question. Um, but in any case, um, I would definitely, you know, if you're, if you're in a situation where you're really concerned about that, consult with your local court or with, uh, or with an attorney um, about your case to make sure that you're, you're op operating properly. But in general, if you've got an order from one court in Washington state, that will be good for any court in Washington state. So the order is there. So that part, that part stays. Now, whether or not you need to move the locus of the guardianship, that's something that, that the courts will have to figure out and have to decide. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for giving us um, your time to be here and, and spread this information out to families. I know uh, it's a very, it could, seem like a very daunting and complicated subject, but, but, you know, when we have help from people like you, it just makes it a little bit more understandable for us. So. Well, thank you. You know, as I'm, as I'm talking with you, I'm 
I'm going to, it's going through my mind, all the things I didn't mention. I didn't mention protective arrangements, which is a new thing too, but I think we could go on and on and on. Um, and that's yet another alternative to guardianship that's been developed. But rather than just going, I could go on endlessly about this, but I think it's, it's really important that people think before they get into a guardianship, what are there other alternatives? And I always, uh, I know that there's more information on the Northwest Justice, uh, uh, it's the Washington Law Help website on some of the alternatives to guardianship that you think about those um, because entering into a guardianship is a, is a major activity. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Is that's why we tell families too when they call and we're like, you need to figure out first if that's if guardianship yeah, that's what, really what you need. You might not need it. So, <laughs> and of course, the person with the disability has something to say about that too. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very individual. So, yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it sure is. Well, I really appreciate this opportunity. I always, I always do to to talk about these matters, and 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 I'm. I'm looking forward to, to um, you know, to questions in the future. If people have them, I'm happy to talk to people. So thanks. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the Peace Podcast. Please subscribe to get notifications for the latest episodes. If you have questions or ideas, email us at info at peacenw.org.